0: Ears podcast where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela and I'm Joe and on today's episode we're going to be looking at some of the more fascinating historical events and world records that have been set at Disney parks.
1: Yeah I'm really excited because there's some really interesting facts.
0: Yeah some of the stuff is is pretty crazy that's happened at a Disney park or things that have been in Disney parks as part of their history. And then some of the world records that people have done at Disney parks or things like that are pretty incredible. I mean, researching this episode, there was a lot of stuff that I was like, is this even real? Like I had to, double check if it was even real
1: yeah and some of the like planning aspects of it are so it's like a world record yeah like yeah. so intense that and then like the fact that some of these world records not only can you do the planning is intense but if one little thing goes wrong that's out of your control it doesn't work out
0: And that's why it's a guinness world record it's got to have you got luck involved in yeah. you
1: got you got planning involved you got You know, like copious amounts of cash involved. Yeah, some of them
0: for sure. So before we get into that, want to cover the Disney news of the week. A lot of news. So Star Wars Celebration was in London this past week, and the big announcements were new movies coming. So Lucasfilm had announced that there were going to be additional Star Wars movies, and they kind of said, "Hey, we're not going to make movies. We're going to stick to TV Disney Plus for a while." Now it seems like. They're ready to come back to movies. And I'm going to temper my expectations because they have announced movies, like I just said, they've announced movies in the past that have vanished. So, Patty Jenkins was going to direct a movie, Kevin Feige was going to produce a movie, um, Ryan Johnson was doing a whole trilogy. Now, they're saying Ryan Johnson, that's still maybe going to happen, but he's too busy making Glass Onion movies. Um, that he's not really working on (laughs) on Star Wars. They're saying that Taika Waititi's still working on his script, but some of these other movies have kind of gone away again. So whether we get all of these movies, I'm not sure, but they announced three movies. So one uh, is one that's based on the Dawn of the Jedi. And this is going to be from James Mangold, who is directing the Indiana Jones movie. So Lucasfilm must be pretty happy with the direction he's taking with the new Indiana Jones movie, because he is now going to be directing a Star Wars movie. That's pretty exciting, because that's looking back in Star Wars history. It's thousands and thousands of years before any of the movies or TV shows. So basically, anything can happen. The stakes are high in those type of movies, because It's not like we know this character is going to live because they got to be around in two years. So that's pretty exciting.
1: I think that I need somebody, and I'm sure this probably exists, to design a large, and it needs to have pictures, not just words, Star Wars timeline for me though, because being somebody that didn't really grow up loving Star Wars and kind of coming to it a little bit older I feel like I just get a little bit of whiplash kind of going around from different series and trying to figure out and place myself in the timeline of where these are so this is happening like way long yeah ago. these are
0: thousands of years I mean the 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 Star Wars timeline is like a hundred year window <laughs> between all the movies I, I think they have that out there but yeah this is this is Dawn of the Jedi so this is I think before High Republic this is a very old in the history of Star Wars lore so we're, so
1: would this be like the first? jedi that ever existed then
0: i believe yeah this will be when the jedi i guess were created the the first jedi so we went from the last jedi to the first jedi So the other two movies are a continuation of the trilogy series. So Daisy Ridley will be coming back as Rey as she rebuilds the Jedi Order. And then Dave Filoni is going to be directing a movie that's going to tie the Mandoverse. So it's the Mandalorian, the Ahsoka series, I guess Boba Fett, all together. Um, He will be directing that. So really exciting. I think that's probably the one I'm most excited about because that's going to be taking all the Disney Plus shows And tying all those storylines together. What I'm interested in is, you know, they they didn't necessarily say, at least from what I've seen, whether these are all going to be theatrical releases, because I feel like you've had such success with Mandalorian and Ahsoka and Boba Fett on Disney Plus that I could see that movie being a Disney Plus crossover movie event. Like, I don't know that that necessarily has to be a theatrical release. I think. They probably will want to try to do that because a lot of people will want to go see it, but you could also look at it as all these people are used to seeing it on Disney plus. If they go to the theaters, they're like, I'm not going to pay for it. I'm just going to wait and see it come out on Disney plus. So I think that one may be a Disney plus one, but I definitely think the other movies uh, definitely the one with Daisy Ridley. I mean, that's going to be a theatrical release for sure.
1: I think that it'll be really interesting to see what they do as a continuation of the latest series um, I felt like that was tied up really well. But, um, you know, I do like Rey. I thought that it was really fun to see, like, a, a female Jedi up on the screen. And um, so I'm interested to see where they go from there. And I'm, I'm interested to see them making her a little bit more nuanced because the only thing that I had about Rey that I wanted was I wanted her to have more flaws. Like, I felt like this movie maybe could dive deeper into her character and we can learn a little bit more about her and her shortcomings because again you don't want your main character to be too perfect and I think that that's the one place where like I was I felt a little was a little lacking with Rey
0: yeah I I definitely think it'll be interesting to have her rebuild the Jedi Order I think there's to your point there's some room for growth and kind of diving into her character more of like mm-hmm. okay now that she has defeated the first order like now what does it mean to lead and build like she kind of really had had to like lead people you know to this point and now yeah. it's like she's this hero she's the one how, how is she going to rebuild now, i my, think
1: that she can grapple with a lot of complex issues as a part of that
0: yeah definitely now do you think all these actually get made
1: I think that the Dave Filoni one will get made. Um, I feel like he does a whole lot. I feel like if there's any portion of these that don't get made because the person continues to write them and can't quite get them right and so they fall through the cracks, I think Dave Filoni will be able to do that. And I think that Disney is going to want the tie-up of the Mando series because that's really what they they kind of advertise this as like you know tying it all together kind of I, I think it sounded like almost like an ending also of it so I think that they are going to want to tie that up with a neat little bow so I think for sure that one happens I'm not really sure about the dawn of Jedi movie I feel you know varying degrees like the last one yeah, definitely think, getting yeah I
0: think that one I think if any of these don't get made I think it's it's that one that's about the dawn of the Jedi I think to your point the, the Mandoverse movie gets made. Now, whether that's on Disney Plus or a theatrical release, I think that one's a done deal. And I think Daisy Ridley, I think this new movie with Ray gets made because they brought her out at Celebration. I don't yeah, think you bring think so. Daisy Ridley back unless you have a movie and you know you're going to make it. So I think the one that if I would say, hey, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these doesn't get made, it's the one about the dawn of the Jedi. I do think it's interesting that they don't have Bryce Dallas Howard directing any of these because yeah. she's directed a lot of the Mandalorian shows and has done a great job. I wouldn't be surprised if the one Dave is working on, she ends up maybe directing it and he's writing. I know they announced he's gonna direct it. Maybe maybe she does the one with Ray. I mean, I think I was kind of surprised that they didn't announce her cuz I know a lot of Star Wars fans really like what she's done with the the shows that she's directed. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that also just because I don't I'm not entirely sure about the Dawn of the Jedi movie, I don't necessarily know that that goes to theatrical release. Like I could see them looking at this and saying, "Well, if Mando is potentially tying up we're gonna need another Star Wars series, so maybe we take this and convert it because it could be a serialized thing and turn it into a more fully fledged out series as opposed to a movie. I mean, yeah. I know they have other things that they're coming out with, other series. I think they have the Acolyte that they were talking about, so they have other things in the pipeline. But I think that you know this this sort of like main tale of Jedi. I think that they're they're gonna want maybe a little bit more, and they can get into the nitty, the nitty gritty a little bit more. Um, in the series versus the movies
0: and I'm telling you right now the movie about the Mandalorian Ahsoka that's not ending anything I mean they, yeah. they, they, they say they'll it's draw a, it out forever uh, you know I've seen it in some places called a crossover I've seen in some places say yeah it's going to tie up the series but in no way is that story ending I mean yeah. if, if they make a movie and it does well they'll continue with Disney Plus shows they'll make another movie I mean that's they're never going to end it I mean the same way that now we're getting you know episode 9 was supposed to end the the Skywalker saga now we're getting a you know episode it's 10 true. so it's true. They'll, they'll keep making this so well
1: and then if you think about it even if you know Pedro Pascal doesn't want to stay on as mando they can get another person to take Grogu because Grogu's still it's a puppet like you don't have to pay somebody it it doesn't
0: have to be the same character but that that story will continue in in some form or fashion so all right moving on uh, Disney announced that the magic band technology is going to be coming to the Disney wish next year so it's going to be called Disney band plus so it's going to work the same way your magic band plus works but you're going to be able to have it on the cruise ship so I think that's pretty interesting that they're continuing to expand that technology you have uh, magic band plus over in Disneyland and Disney World now. Now you're going to have it on the cruise ship. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to if the bands are gonna be uh, comparable, they're called something different. Again, it's called Disney Band Plus instead of Magic Band Plus, but they look exactly the same. So I would have to think there's some sort of you know cross compatibility there. But I think that's pretty interesting. I think it makes sense. You're on a cruise ship again. Just make everything you know uh, contactless. Have everything on your on your band. It it makes a lot of sense there.
1: I am curious too. Did they potentially build something into the ship that will interact with these like did they have the foresight to Yeah, they did say there's some like surprises. Elements.
0: Yeah, they did say something there's like additional surprises that you'll see. You know, I mean they talked about the basic stuff you can use your room key, you can buy things on it, but but that there'll be some additional interactivity. So yeah, I imagine all of these new ships have this kind of built in in mind.
1: Right, yeah. It'll be interesting and I do think that it's getting close to time for us to book our first Disney Cruise.
0: Yeah, and this one's just on the, the Disney Wish, so I don't believe the other cruise ships will have this because, again, the, the boats probably aren't equipped um, for that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So uh, Walt Disney World announced that annual pass sales will be coming back April 20th. I know people are very excited about that, but whenever annual passes go back on sale, so they'll be available uh, April 20th. I'm not sure how long they'll be available. It seems like you know the past year or two as annual passes have gone on sale, it's been, okay, they're on sale. Okay, they're, not, they're not on sale anymore. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure how long this is going to last. Um, but if you're somebody that's planning a trip soon and you were looking to get an annual pass, uh, April 20th is going to be your day. And then the last thing is, as part of the uh, Disney Investor Conference, The Rock came on in a pre-recorded video to announce that they are making a live-action Moana and that he is going to be reprising his role as Maui. And, you know, in the video, he kind of mentioned as a reimagining of Moana. So, you know, I'm not sure is this going to be an exact recreation of Moana in live action? Or is it going to be a new story slightly different? Uh, you know, Moana and Maui is is based on folklore and, and yeah, legend Polynesian. and story. Yeah, of Polynesian.
1: Like mythology.
0: Culture. Yeah, mythology. That's a, a better way to put it. Um, so I think there's a lot of other stories they could go with. I hope they do go slightly different story because mm-hmm. Moana just came out. I mean, I know Disney's been making live action movies but this seems kind of crazy Pretty for mature. a movie that yeah in 2016 they're making a live action version of it instead of making a sequel um, so hopefully it's it's a slightly different story uh, but yeah kind of surprising that they announced this
1: yeah I, I don't know how in favor of this movie I am I'm curious to see what it turns out to be but I do think that you know you had a lot of Disney movies garner a sequel and I think that Moana has that really great potential because she has just really gained leadership by the end of the Moana movie. So I would really like to see a continuation of her story and what she does with her leadership, and of course the other issues that arise. Um, so I, I am a little, you know, frustrated that bef- instead of you know doing an animated sequel, they're doing live action here. But you know, I, again, I'm curious to see what happens. The Rock assured me that Hey Hey is going to be in it. That is, yeah. I
0: think The Rock was just playing hype man. I mean, like <laughs> The Rock does this where you know he hypes up everything he does. I, I don't know how you can guarantee what's going to be in the movie if it's not already written and shot. You because- know,
1: because I can see this going the way of you know Mushu disappearing out of the out of the live action version of Mulan. Like Hey Hey is is comic relief, but if that's not the tone that they're going for. I'm not entirely sure that he fits into the movie yeah. and I, I feel
0: like this movie's pretty early in terms of development. And yeah. so I think, you know, anything's on the table at this point, but you know, as this goes, because we're we're probably a few years away before this even really happens that, yeah, a lot can change.
1: I do think that it's interesting because he did make these assur- assurances. And I feel like lately we've heard a little bit about The Rock, you know, having, like, trying to kind of impose his will on some of the movies he's worked on. So I almost wonder if they're saying, like, uh, if they say something like, oh, yeah, we're going to cut Pua because there's no reason to have him or whatever. And he's like, well, but I said that there was going to be a Pua, like, if that becomes, in like, comes into a, a power struggle. Um, but I do know that I think he wants his kids to see him physically as Moana. So that's I Moana. Think, that's Moana. <laughs> no, he, he has to lose no, uh, 200 pounds and muscle. And I, I uh, think he
0: got, I think he got so jacked for black Adam. And he was like, well, what else can I do with these <laughs> muscles? Like well, I can be Maui, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see, how this develops and kind of what this movie ends up becoming. Because I think if it is just a recreation, kind of like what they did with the Lion King, Mm. it's just a a live action recreation. I don't think it's going to be that good. I think it's going to be, why did, why did you make that? It was kind of a a waste to do that. And it is going to look at like, well, maybe the rock just wanted to be live action Maui. And I, I don't think that would be that great. So I really hope that they,
1: they push the story.
0: Yeah. They, they either, they either do a different story um, with it like I would be fine if this is a Maui prequel like yeah. if it's just if it's just the rock like I don't even think we need I think Moana. Something, something
1: different kind of yeah. like they're talking about doing with the Lion King I don't know if this is yeah, still in yeah, the works. Mufasa, Mufasa. Yeah. like I, something that extends the story that is something that's a standalone that's not recreating something that already exists I think I'm more in favor of than something that is just again there's not a lot of creativity into stealing their own ideas and then just regurgitating them in a different form
0: yeah yeah definitely so interesting to see but yeah kind of uh, surprising that they announced this Uh, one quick thing I want to mention you still have a few days left to enter our Instagram giveaway to win a Magic Candle Company prize pack so if you're interested in that head over to our Instagram at Enchanted Ears Podcast for all of the details Uh, and if you are interested in purchasing some uh, scented candles that smell like your favorite theme park Attractions, you can head over to magiccandlecompany.com and use code enchanted at checkout to save 15% off of your order. All right, so let's jump into our main topic here this week talking about some of the craziest, strangest things that have happened at Disney parks, records that have been set at Disney parks. uh, Because part of me wants to get in the Guinness Book of World Records, so part of this research and wanting to do this episode was a very selfish one because I was wanted to find a record I can break and there's I don't know there's any Disney ones that I could easily break but there's some pretty odd Guinness Book of World Records that I think I might have a shot at but some part of me wants to be a Guinness World Record holder.
1: I, I think that this is a very fun life objective and so much so that a lot of YouTubers have taken to do stuff like this but I mean, I feel like there's got to be some Disney ones we can break.
0: Yeah, well there's definitely some Disney world records that were set that we'll get to. They're a little bit difficult, but what really kind of started this is I'm sure if if you're a fan of Disney, if you're on like Facebook, you know, Twitter, that sort of stuff, you've probably heard of Nathan Firesheets. which I got to say first of all, incredible name. Firesheets as a last name, absolutely incredible. Uh, But he is at underscore coaster underscore story on Twitter and YouTube. That's his handle. But he did an amazing feat where he rode every operating attraction in all 12 Disney parks in 12 days. And he spent about $12,000 doing it. So there's a lot of 12s there. So it's 216 attractions that he rode in 12 consecutive days. So basically, you know, a park a day. I think how he did it, I think... You know, he hit multiple parks in one day. It wasn't like he rode everything in the Magic Kingdom all in one day. Then went to Hollywood Studios. You know, he rode all of the operating attractions like across the twelve days. But still, super impressive to be flying around the world. Um, it's a lot of travel. Uh, you know, a lot of Disney. Just you know, basically one one day uh, in there. But yeah, this is a pretty big story. He he completed this uh, early March. And it got me thinking of like, yeah, what are some other like interesting feats that have, have happened or been accomplished at a Disney park? But th- this is absolutely incredible to do this. Would, would you do this? Would I do
1: this? Yes. Would I plan it? No.
0: <laughs> that's the thing. He, I think, you know, I've seen some interviews and he said he's an engineer and that's what he, his like day job is. So the, the planning and the figuring out all of the problems and how the puzzle pieces fit in and and you know when do you need that the airfare like what like what what times does your flight need to leave and all that sort of stuff he enjoys that as an engineer so like that worked but yeah you have to be meticulously planned and also you have to understand how to be able to ride all of the attractions and it's the operating attractions. And I believe like for all of these events, like if you do like, oh, I'm going to ride everything in one park in a day, it's anything that like moves. So it's not like every specific thing, but it's, it's something that has to have like some sort of movement to it. I,
1: I think it would be fun to do, but I would be a tag along. I would not be a planner and it would be really difficult at least right now, at this stage of my life to do it because getting 12 consecutive days off in a time of the year that it would be fine to go to like Disney World, would be almost impossible for me. Over the summer, yes, I could do that, but it is so hot. I don't want to go to yeah. Disney
0: World. Well, you're only there for a day. Like it's, you're going through it pretty quick. I, I'm with you. I think this would be a lot of fun to attempt. I think it would be very tiring. I yeah. I think this is probably past my limit of something I want to plan. Yeah. I think this is so advanced. Um, I think all the credit to Nathan for even planning the thing and attempting it. But he he did it. It's pretty impressive.
1: It's, it's kind of, to me, it's in the same – in a similar vein, not the exact same vein, but a similar vein of, hey, there's a 250-mile race that people do called Cocodona, and they actually complete it. Wow. Good on you. I don't want to do that. Well, I
0: will say, and something like that, yeah, people do that, but a lot of people do it. There's been one person to do this. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's well, amazing. It's, it's not even like you have a – um you you, at least like with those races those ultras you have a lot of people have done it there's training plans there's things to do i mean Uh, this is
1: not that not that distance so much that distance is pretty new but even then i mean there's a lot of logistics that goes along with it but i don't know if it's the same it's not the same level of logistics as there are with Mm -hmm. that
0: i will say too only 12 grand that seems pretty cheap like pretty reasonable only a thousand dollars a day to fly all around the world and go to every disney park doesn't seem that bad. Does he at the end have of the some day. like
1: frequent flyer miles though that he was utilizing? Yeah, I'm not sure about
0: that. Um, that's a good question because yeah, twelve thousand actually doesn't seem too unreasonable.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty. It seems pretty cheap. Like I feel like there are adventures by Disney that are way more than that. Well, or the one more that goes that...
0: the one that goes around the world, well, 100000 yeah. yeah. dollars that goes to every park, so, exactly. But. Yeah. Yeah. So he did it for well less than that. All right. So let's get into some other stuff. So the first one, I did not think this was true. I was looking up like, okay, crazy stuff about Disney, Disney history. I didn't think it was true. And I was like, this is definitely a joke. This has to be fake. The website was a little sketchy. So I'm like, I'm not sure if this is real. I looked it up. It's 100% real. Doritos were invented at Disneyland. Something I I had no idea.
1: Okay. So you yourself, not a Doritos fan. No. But- to me, though, well, I'm a Disneyland fan. Well, so listen, maybe I have
0: to eat Doritos now.
1: Yeah. Well, let me tell you. Whenever I eat a Dorito, there is there is something magical about that experience. And up until this now point, I why. never had an answer to why that was. But now I know. I can taste the Disney in it.
0: Yeah. So so what happened... So how this goes? Because again, it sounds so outlandish. You're like, no, that has to hundred percent be made up. But it is real. So. Uh, Originally, when Disneyland opened, I think everybody's pretty aware that Walt had a lot of sponsorships. He had companies kind of sponsor and do things. So Frito-Lay had a restaurant at Disneyland called Casa de Fritos. It's now the Rancho del Zocalo uh, at Disneyland. So the restaurant's still there. It's under a different name. So during the early 1960s, they had a surplus of tortillas, and they were just going stale. And they had... nothing to do. So they're trying to figure out something to do with them. And so the restaurant cut them up and fried them and add some seasoning and made the first Dorito. And it was doing so well that the vice president of marketing, his name was Arch West, uh, saw how popular it was at the time and he made a deal with the company that um, made the tortillas for the restaurant to mass produce these. And Make them all across the country. And that is how Frito Lay made the Dorito and the Dorito came to be. So it started at Disneyland as scraps. It was the garbage of a restaurant, of like, mm-hmm. this food's going stale. Nobody's buying these things. What are we going to do? Let's fry and put some seasoning on them. And everybody loved them so much that now they're one of the biggest, like, snack brands out there. Absolutely incredible. And also,
1: almost consistently, the best commercials at- during the Super Bowl. Like, they are almost always the only ones nowadays that are funny anymore. But anyway, that was an aside. But I I think that this is so interesting and also very, very logical. Because if you think about it, like croutons, that's just basically stale bread. So they found a way to recycle and not have food waste, which huge fan of. Again, that's why I can just tell when I put a Dorito in my mouth that there is just happiness. That that just comes out of if they had pores out of every pore, of and when them. I
0: eat a Dorito, I'm like, this kind of tastes like this was a afterthought garbage. <laughs>
1: See, I will say Doritos aren't your kind of thing because you don't love big flavor, and they're full of that.
0: I mean, honestly, absolutely amazing uh, that Doritos were invented at Disneyland. Another thing that happens, and I think we've talked about this, is people are always trying to spread their. Loved ones' ashes, not their own ashes. That would actually be impressive.
1: <laughs> you go, you become the thousandth ghost, and I, you spread your own ashes in, actually, the in the haunted mansion. the
0: mansion, I actually feel like if you were able to spread your own ashes, you should be allowed to do that. If you come back as a spirit and spread your own ashes, that should be allowed. But so many people have done this that Disney actually had to tell people stop doing it.
1: Okay, so here's here's my question: Could I invent a box? That then somebody can put my ashes in. Somebody would have to physically carry my box onto the ride, but then base and press a button. But basically, it's almost like I'm spreading my own ashes because I built the box to spread the ashes. No,
0: I don't. I don't think you could do that. I'm talking about. I think if you came back as a ghost and you are a specter and you somehow I'm figured out host. how to interact with the physical world and you floated around and spread your own ashes. I kind of think Disney has to let you do that. I mean, I think what you're describing is what a lot of people try to do when they carry other people's ashes <laughs> in and spread it on the Haunted Mansion. And it obviously causes a lot of problems. And yeah, a few years ago, Disney actually came out and said, Stop doing this. We just vacuum them up. Like you're not respecting your loved one. It causes problems. It's unsanitary. We're just going to vacuum them up. Um, it's not going to be great. But I can see why. Again, the haunted mansion, it's about death, it's kind of spooky. I mean, it makes sense why people do this. People spread ashes in a lot of uh strange places. Um <laughs> so I kind of see why people would try to do this, but yeah, don't don't do it.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with this. I think that, you know, the beach is probably far superior just making sure that the wind is going away from you and yeah, not toward true. you. That's true. Um but yeah, I mean, I think that let these poor people not have a a hard day and know that they are sweeping
0: up you know remains. <laughs> yeah, just keep your loved ones with you. All right, so this next one is another crazy one where I was like, is this real? I don't know that I buy this. It's amazing again, we've done this show for 5 years now and there are still things I'm learning that absolutely shock me about history of Disney and Disney parks, but you used to be able to buy underwear on main street. When Disneyland opened. (laughs) it was the Hollywood Maxwell's intimate apparel shop. They sold uh, underwear, corsets, bras, that sort of stuff. It gets crazier. That's kind of like the, okay, that, that seems a little odd, but maybe I can kind of see that they had an animatronic wizard of bras <laughs> that told you the history of underwear and go try to google this to see a picture of it because it is not like a really well done animatronic like the shaman of songs like you're thinking of now i mean this is disneyland opened kind of animatronic robot like if you know a creepy five night at freddy's you know, reject character, the wizard of bras was out there. So it was, it was Victorian style, uh, theming. It was part museum. This is where you had the wizard of bras telling you about all this stuff. And then part shop where you could actually buy underwear there. Uh, it only lasted six months. I kind of wonder why.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. So first of all, I imagine since I have not seen this photo, I imagine it like those fortune tellers in a box. Like I imagine it like that. And then, the second part is, this isn't a hundred percent a terrible idea because I feel like, I mean, there's got to be so many accidents at the park a day where people could probably use a spare pair of underwear, and you know, even if, like if there's a if there's a downpouring of rain and, or we're other into, accidents, we
0: a whole other thing. Here. I I don't know that we want to go down this path.
1: I almost feel like it it would work out better as like a vending machine with some underwear in it. And it's like, this is emergency underwear. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's interesting because the, the whole idea of the museum, so in, in addition to the great wizard, they had, this is kind of from some of the uh, publicity um, uh, marketing for it. Um, it talked about, uh, remember to look into all the 3D boxes to see outer and intimate apparel of the past. Uh, as you slowly move your head, you'll see the modern turn of the century attire disappear Wow. Okay, this is getting a little odd. Disappear to reveal to reveal their corsets and pantaloons. So, a little odd there. So again, I can see why this maybe only lasted six months. But I think the idea of kind of like a history of fashion, like that's not something like Disney has a lot of historical stuff. They you know have a lot of stuff about the history of of America and the different countries and things like that. But like the history of fashion or even like what they don't have is <clears throat> like the industrial revolution of how we went from I guess carousel progress is kind of like that of how we went from like pre electricity to electricity that really doesn't talk about manufacturing that's kind of more on the home but yeah but like how people's fashion changed like how pockets weren't a thing for women you know like mm-hmm. they were a thing then they weren't a thing and and only you know like wealthy people had pockets and they did like how that stuff had like changed throughout the years, I think would be really interesting. I don't know that they really stuck the landing (laughs) on this idea here. Um, I don't know that you had a family friendly park. You want to be looking at boxes, watching people's clothing disappear. Um, but, (laughs) but I I think it's it's an interesting, uh, sentiment. So I do like the word pantaloons though. I think
1: we need to bring that back.
0: Yeah. Pantaloons. I, I, I do like that, but yeah, but the, um, I believe the store, uh, the store's still there, the storefront, and I believe going back to uh, our episode a few weeks ago about Rolly Crump, I believe his window is right above that store Aww. on Main Street. So that that's where this store used to be, but again, it only lasted six months uh, at Disneyland. But I mean, what a crazy time!
1: I mean, you got to figure. Okay, so here's how I picture it: when Disneyland opened. I feel like Walt probably had the backup plan of, okay, maybe the theme parking part isn't going to be as successful as I hope. Why don't I have some more premium shopping here and maybe try to draw some people in yeah, there and use this as an attraction? Because
0: again, it was like corsets. Know, that's, it was Victorian style. Like it wasn't even something I feel like people wore in the 50s. You know, it's just, it, it was kind of like, hey, yeah, this is. Like old school type stuff. I I don't know. I
1: feel like fashion, you know, the older I get and I realize that fashion just repeats itself. And now we're like in where the 90s kind of clothes are really, really back in and stuff. And we were around in the 90s. and I'm like, dude, that's like stuff that I had as a kid. Wish I would have held on to it or whatever. Of course, it wouldn't fit me now. But anyway, but I almost wonder if they it was like, hey, this is kind of high end because you Know Victorians wore stuff like this, and if you want to be different in your circle, yeah, like you yeah. wear this Victorian thing, and it's always fashionable. Like, that's kind of something cool. Like, I would, I actually, when you as you talk about this, I actually kind of want to visit this store if it was still around.
0: Okay, I mean, it Victorian just seems intriguing stuff. to me, I, yeah. I feel like now you're right. I mean, a lot of that stuff is in, especially with like Bridgerton and things. I feel oh like my Victorian goodness. fashion, I burned it. Lot more. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. okay. <laughs> All right. All right. A, cu- a couple of things, real quick. I think we've talked about these type of things before, but they are really interesting historical events. So the Beatles ended. At Disney World, so John Lennon actually signed the paperwork to end the Beatles while he was staying at the Polynesian. So that's that's a piece of history. And so when we say at the Polynesian, I just think about the Beatles breaking up and how sad everybody was. No, I don't think about that at all. But <laughs> but that's that's an interesting thing to think about. You know, if you're staying at the Polynesian, it's a piece of of history there of music history. Pretty interesting.
1: And then, and then just a hop, skip, and a jump over on the monorail, you have at the Contemporary. Richard Nixon gave his I'm not a crook speech right in the contemporary. Yeah,
0: that's that's insane that that famous speech that he gave was actually at a convention at the contemporary. And Richard Nixon has um, a pretty storied history with Disney uh, him and Ronald Reagan were actually friends of Walt Disney, and both of them had visited the parks. Not, I believe, while they were presidents, but um, Richard Nixon, I think, was there for opening day of Disneyland. Uh, and then he also visited as vice president. Um, and then, obviously, he gave this speech there, so I guess he was president when he was there. But uh, he he definitely has um, some history with Disney. But, yeah, it's interesting that his famous I'm not a crook speech was actually given at the Contemporary.
1: It's insane how many things, because Disney is so... Massive. How many things in our culture are actually interwoven into Disney? That you
0: don't even know. Yeah. Again, like the Beatles or like Richard Nixon. Like you would you know those things happen, but the fact that they happen at at a Disney resort is almost kind of like an afterthought. Like it's just oh, okay, they just happen to be there. And
1: there are things that are important enough to be deemed as like, you know, quote unquote history because a lot of people are aware of them. They know who the Beatles are. They know who Richard Nixon is. Let's have and a plaque.
0: This is where the Beatles ended right here. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure like people who are fans of the Beatles would come to that. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's people like as much as we kind of joke about it would take a picture at the plaque and be like, I'm here where John Lennon was when the Beatles. ended." I mean,
1: my brother loves Elton John. I could 100%, if this was Elton John, see him having to make a trip there, like a pilgrimage. Yeah, if it, <laughs> to, if it was something,
0: yeah, the, like importance to Elton John. Right, like, this exactly. This is where he wrote Rocket Man. Like he was riding <laughs> the Astro Orbiters, and he was like, Oh my
1: gosh, yes! Rocket Man!
0: <laughs> Are all of Elton John's songs just um, based on Disney? I mean, we know Candyfield, the Love he did a lot of stuff for Lion King. So Rocket mm-hmm. Man's Astro Orbiters, um,
1: crocodile rock was actually written peter pan yeah crocodile rock yeah I, or he was on the beach and he was worried and he was
0: confused whether because
1: he's not really he's from across the pond he's not really accustomed to the fact that florida has more alligators than crocodiles but but the crocodile on peter pan yeah I, I yeah agree. so so
0: peter pan so i think elton john wrote most Massive of his songs fan. uh based on disney park so I'm sure the timeline of that does not work when these attractions around <laughs> the, the songs were written. Not at all. Whatever. Um, all right, but so jumping into some of the Guinness World Records that were e- that were broken at Disney parks or, or across Disney parks. Um, yeah. Again, now these are... I don't think these are records that are going to be easily broken. I think there's maybe one we could try, um, but some of them... Are records that like Disney has set themselves, which Disney has set a lot of records as well. I mean, we'll get into some of those, but, but there's. I and mean, they're kind
1: of pioneers in their business. So yeah. it makes sense that they have set those records. I, it kind of reminds me of like Simpsons. I'm not sure entirely that Simpsons is the first like kind of adult cartoon that is more like snarky, but it's been running. I think they have a record it's like for 30 like, years. Yeah, or something running like some that. Yeah. insane amount of time. I mean,
0: Conan O'Brien wrote for The Simpsons. And I mean,
1: and he's like, what? Isn't he like sixty he's in or the something? Sixties,
0: yeah. I mean, so it's it's been going on for a long time. But uh, one that was recently certified, uh, Jim Reitz. I think I'm pronouncing that. Or it's correctly. Reitz, Reitz. Yeah, I'm not R-E- entirely sure. R e i t z. He visited Disneyland every single day for eight straight years. So it was 2,995 consecutive days. The only reason he stopped was because the parks closed due to COVID. So March 13th, 2020 was the last day. And it was just certified as a Guinness World Record. So he had been going since uh, 2012 at Disneyland. So he obviously had an annual pass with somebody that could go every day. And he went every single day. The crazy thing is, he's not gone back since. <laughs> so, well okay. This, so he went for eight straight years, stopped, and then he was like, I'm good.
1: This is such an upsetting record because the per- part of me that that just needs like to have a nice little round number, 2995. Oh, come on, five more days. But again, The world totally shut down on March 13th. Like it was just, I think that was a Friday, right? Was that that Friday? I believe
0: it was Friday the 13th. Yeah, Yeah, because that was when we,
1: the kids, they sent my kids home and they were like, yeah, we don't know when you're going to be back.
0: Yeah, the the interesting thing, so you you bring that up, and he actually uh, said, I I read an interview where he said, I'm actually glad, I mean, he's not glad that COVID happened, but he's glad that some external force stopped him because to your point, he said, yeah, it would have been nice to have 3,000, but then it's like, do I just stop stop on an arbitrarily round number? Like, do I just stop yeah. at three thousand? Well, no. Why don't I go thirty one hundred? Like, you're never going to stop. Like, you're you're basically
1: there's you feel never boxed be, in.
0: exactly. So it was kind of nice that that decision was taken away from him, and I think that's why he hasn't been around. But that's an insane dedication. He he, I think initially was unemployed, and so it was just kind of a thing for him to do of like, hey, get out, go to the parks, and he was wanted to do one whole year. -hmm. That was his thing, and then he just kept going and kept going. But he talked about it's difficult because it went around, you know, having a job. Like he had to coordinate once he had a job of, okay, well, I, you know, got to leave and get there and and, you know get in for an hour or something, you know, after work. Like he had to coordinate all that stuff and all all of your life that happens. I mean, that's an insane record. That's one that I don't think it's gonna be broken. I mean, that's very, very difficult to break. It's
1: super hard. I would love to know how old he. I mean, like if he got married, like you would have to somehow like any life I'm I gonna he guess older. he's older because yeah. yeah. like you know your kid like if you have kids then you have to work that around that and that would be really difficult but yeah this is an insane record I do I do feel like it can be broken but I don't know so it's like
0: at least eight years to break it I, I feel mean, like the
1: magical millennial <laughs> I feel like she's in the parks every day I mean a lot of these Disney vloggers now I actually could almost see it because they're in there so much, just creating constant content, that I almost wonder if uh, any of them have like some crazy streak. But going you can right never now.
0: take a vacation. You can never go right, to Disney yeah. World. Like he, like he only went to Disneyland. It's it's Disneyland every single day. So it's not like he went to Disney World. It's not like he went to Disneyland Paris. So to your point. These vloggers are in the parks a lot, but they're also traveling. They're traveling to the other parks. They're doing other things. Hey, Tron opens. You're getting an invite, and I gotta say, oh, I can't go to Tron. I gotta keep going to Disneyland every single day, or you gotta do something crazy where you get up, go to Disneyland in the morning, and then fly over to Disney World. Yeah,
1: by the way, Disney, we, I think we missed our Tron. I think that our our invitation to Tron got went to our spam. So next time, just make sure that you know goes to our our main email. You can actually just send a letter directly to our house. The
0: grid lost it. The yeah. grid lost it. So all, right. The, grid lost all it. right. the next one, I think this is a doable record. I think this is something, again, it's not easy, but I think this is something I would potentially like to try. Lindsay Nemeth set a world record by visiting every single Disney park in the shortest amount of time. So we talked about Nathan at the beginning. He went to every Disney park, rode every single ride in 12 days. But Lindsay went to every park in 75 hours did so, she ride
1: a i think she rode one ride too didn't she
0: yeah so i think you know when you set as i've looked into this because i have looked into setting guinness world records i'm telling you because we've we've talked about i'm it gonna before. do this i'm gonna be a guinness world uh, record I'm holder sorry. at some point. i'm i mean if you can do it too great uh, but the goal is me here i was
1: gonna say i want this to be a co-record
0: oh, okay all right it can be a co-record but if you want to set a world record you have to do something like there's obviously like a lot of documentation that people have to sign off on but you just can't be like oh here i'm at the park and just run away so yeah i believe she had to ride at least one attraction in every park, maybe two. But she had to go in, she had to ride an attraction, and get two people to certify that she rode an attraction. But she did it in 75 hours, so just a little over three days to travel to every Disney park in the world. I think that's doable. Again, it's a logistical challenge. you got to time your flights. Everything has to work right. You, but uh, I yeah. think I think this one's doable. I don't know that you could beat it by much, but I think maybe you could get it in like 72 hours, and that's enough. The so th-
1: The thing that is very frustrating about this, though is if you get your flights get delayed canceled any kind of issues with that then you spent all of that money especially if it's like your last flight that gets delayed that would stink so much because there are external factors that are out of your control that you could plan it up and just have it just right and things can't might not line up if you're not lucky
0: exactly that's what i said it's not gonna be easy but i think this one's at least doable more doable than going to disneyland every day for eight years all right, so a couple records that Disney themselves have set. So in Epcot, Disney set a world record by showing Impressions de France every single day for 35 years, <laughs> which is insane. So if you ever go watch Impressions de France and you're like, this video looks a little bit dated it is it's because it's from the 80s and disney's been showing it for over 30 years and it's a world record so you should just be quiet and be happy you're seeing a guinness world record film
1: we've we've actually complained about this one before because we said like some of the the visuals you're like that's beautiful i want to go visit it but it's not necessarily clear where it is i get it
0: now i no no hate on it anymore it's a guinness world record holder
1: yeah that movie has
0: more world records than i do so much respect
1: yeah i guess no it's still dated but yeah, yeah it's
0: 35 straight i years. think That's sometimes
1: impressive. i think sometimes just like you know that one guy that that the pandemic stopped him from going like sometimes you just gotta know when to stop
0: <laughs> yeah i'm not sure if this if is it's still going yeah like i think they hit 35 years and that must have been like the record so i don't know i mean obviously it stopped because the pandemic stopped this one too right and i don't know if that was the 35 years or if that happened before maybe they
1: had somebody come into the park and just turn it on just one time, I though.
0: I do not think that happened. <laughs> I don't so, either. So, yeah. So, Disney, the record's done. Let's update it. All right. Now, I love this because I love living with the land. If you've listened what? to this podcast.
1: That's, that's a surprise. I didn't know that about you.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, if you're new here, I love living with the it's land. It's kind
1: of like if, if I was like, I love the Lion King. Yeah, like, you
0: <laughs> So... I love living with the land. I love everything about living with the land. It is my favorite ride. I could ride it all day. Okay,
1: but for real though, the beginning of living with the land, you would leave it completely unchanged.
0: Yeah, because it tells you about the biomes and the ecosystems. and You You wouldn't update it at all? You learn how even the mighty buffalo, its hooves, turned the Great Plains into the fertile breadbasket that it is today. I love everything about living with the land. I
1: love when people call it a bread basket because I literally just picture a a basket full of bread and I'm like, wait, how is a land... I'm getting
0: hungry now. Don't get get me thinking about bread. Don't sidetrack me with bread. I'm talking about the land. Love the land pavilion. The land is absolutely crushing it with their world records over here. So... It was, In 2006... Living with the
1: land, right? Not just the land pavilion in general. Well,
0: Yeah, living with the land. What yeah. what they're doing there in the greenhouses. And they must have, like, in 2005, 2006, been like, we're taking some records down. Because they set these <laughs> ones... The Both of these were set uh, in the 2005, 2006 year.
1: I feel like the um, botanists there have fun. Like, when we did oh, the behind-the-scenes... I scenes, would love to work there. When we did that behind-the-scenes tour, or behind-the-seeds seeds, tour, yep. um, I think I felt like there was a little bit of like, yeah, we're good at our job. Yeah, we like to innovate. We like know going we have on. the
0: best attraction at yeah. all the parks.
1: <laughs> I felt like there was a little bit of like very, right, like I don't want to say righteous, like very correct. Like They're the
0: cool kids in school and they know it.
1: Yeah, like it, they, they know they're cool. They know they're good at their jobs. They know that they're innovative. But like, you know, they don't gloat about it, but they're cool.
0: When I retire, quote unquote retire, because you got to keep doing something. I may go down and say, "Just let me sweep the floors in the greenhouses. I want to be a part of the magic here. I w- I will just sweep the floors. I'll go out there. I'll rake the sand. I will keep see it beautiful. Being the happiest person. Yep, doing you can pay that me job. the lowest wage you pay somebody. I don't need anything. I'm retired. I'm just enjoying my life. Give me free tickets to Disney World. That's all I want. And just let me." live in that pavilion i'd absolutely love it all right so they set the world record for the biggest cucumber plant uh in 2006 this cucumber plant was six feet tall they basically said it looked like a tree and it produced two thousand five hundred and sixty three cucumbers in one year which was also a world record so this plant wow broke two world records so i mean i know They grow, I mean, if you go, you see these insane plants that they're growing, but they had a six foot tall, it was basically a cucumber tree that made almost 2,600 cucumbers in one year. I can barely get a cucumber plant to get 3 cucumbers in a garden.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think our our cucumber plant last year had probably like 5 or 6, but we did lose we did, a couple. We
0: had like 2 cucumber plants though. So I think on average we're getting about 3 cucumbers per right. plant. Right.
1: And we did lose a couple cuz we went on vacation, but yeah. and didn't pick them fast enough. But here's my question. Because and somebody who's into, you know, plants and stuff and maybe who would have experience living in a warmer place, you have plants like a cucumber plant that's like an annual plant. So, but then, like, if you live in a place that's warm year-round, when does that plant die off? Because, you know, here where we live... After
0: it- 2,563 cucumbers, and it's finally like, I- I'm done. I'm L- tired. Let me go, please. You um, know how, like, at the end of, like, a movie, when, like, the old... What, the end credits roll? No, no, no. Like, like towards the end of a movie, like, like the climax is happening, and it's, it's like, the older character who has shepherded the young new uh you know hero and at the end he's just like and they're like something happens and he's in a rough situation and it's just like it's my time i'm okay let me go that's what happened to this cucumber plant it's like please just let me go i'm done producing cucumbers that's how that's what happened
1: that's what happened yeah so but then, and it was I, going
0: basically a year
1: it's insane okay so i mean if it's yeah if it's a year so then i guess that because plants are so diverse it would probably just depend on the plant and how well it's cared for. And just in general, just, yeah, I well, don't know. But I, okay. that's fascinating to All right. me. Well, guess
0: what? That pales in a comparison of the tomato plant <laughs> they grew. In the same year, 2005, 2006, they had a tomato plant that produced 32,000 194 tomatoes in one year. So we thought that cucumber plant was working overtime. 32,000 tomatoes. World record.
1: You know how they have that festival? I believe it's in Spain where they throw the tomatoes. I feel like Disney just probably put all of their tomatoes in a giant crate and they're like, here, look, we need to get rid of these. We have way too many. Can you just... just, We will just sponsor the whole thing.
0: Well, you know, I mean, they, they talk about when you ride Living With The Land, they talk about that the land... Pavilion and the greenhouses produce a lot of food for Epcot and the restaurants mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And you're kind of thinking, like, okay, how it can't produce that much. Like, there's like one banana plant over there. Like, okay, I see there's a couple like squash plants. Like, all right, it produces one or two things, but there's millions of people coming to Disney World every year. It's not going to produce that much. How can it do that much? Well, then you find out they're making plants that do 32,000 tomatoes. That probably made enough sauce for Via Napoli for like six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So that's how they do it. <laughs> they can get one plant to make hundreds and thousands of uh, fruit and vegetables that, yeah, it might not look like much, but they're getting a lot of stuff out of this. I mean, I guess, it, and it also just
1: helps that, you know, if you have one plant, but under perfect conditions, you know, you don't really have pests, you don't really have not great watering conditions or bad weather to kind of break the plant down, it's going to be Do you think be the plants healthier?
0: know? Like, do you think they know like they're They're in the well cared that they're they're in the land pavilion? Like, I'm I'm on the big stage now. I gotta like up my game. Like like they hear rumors of like, did you hear did you hear Tommy? Tommy produced thirty two thousand (laughs) tomatoes. I I I can't do four like a regular tomato plant. I'm interested, like I wish you
1: know how there's like certain times where you're like, I wish that I was around in the future to see how how far we come in science. Like, I almost feel like that does happen. Like, you know how we found out that like plants, there's like a whole
0: underground yeah, a system. Everything. Yeah,
1: It's almost like, yeah, I would love to know. No, I don't know if we as humans would have the capability of, of decoding what they're so saying. The
0: Pixar movie plants, the underground network of plants and uh, stuff specifically have it take place in the land pavilion. That's corporate synergy that Disney loves and take my money. Now you make a Pixar <laughs> movie about the plants in the land pavilion. I'm done. I'm done.
1: I mean, we have that an elemental movie coming out and I feel like that would have, you know, a, it's a very similar vein. So I think it would work out quite well.
0: Exactly. So, all right. So that wraps up the show for this week. Uh, again, some incredible world records. Maybe we will try to break one of these in the future. If you hear our names, well, I guess we will be a co- because we have to be co-world record holders, I just I can't, can't do ever it myself. let you just do anything yeah. by yourself. Okay, all right, all right. We'll be co-world record holders because I'll I still might have, have to. It.
1: Pl- I might have to help you plan one thing so that if if so Guinness tries to cut me out yeah. and be like Joe, like, Joe just tagged along, planned, Joe planned and did all this. And I'll be like, actually, I booked one flight because I pressed book. I picked the, Joe r- I, I picked, picked the
0: rides. I picked what rides we went right now. We we we'll, we'll do it together. But I I think that would be a fun one to try to try to hit. Uh, every park in the world in three days. I would
1: need a lot of coffee.
0: Okay, whatever. We'll get Joffrey's you know, to sponsor I was going to say,
1: I, I need sponsored. Yeah, so. we'll get
0: Joffrey's to get but, but that wraps up the show for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed listening. Hopefully you learned something and were shocked by some of the stuff um, that's happened at Disney Parks like we were. If you know of any like other like crazy world records or like crazy things that happened at Disney Parks, let us know over on Instagram. We're at Enchanted Ears Podcast over there. Send us a message. You know, we, We'd love to hear some other crazy ones. Maybe we'll talk about them in a future episode. If you've not done so, please subscribe. Leave us a rating or a review. It really helps and we really do appreciate it.
1: Thanks for letting us your ears.
0: Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.